Um, I think with any, when you go into a startup, I mean, when I joined, we were about a hundred people and we scaled to like 2000 in two years. So it was that crazy hockey strip growth period where wow. it's very aggr- like aggressive, you know, like midday targets, daily targets, weekly targets. It was just, it was really intense. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by Jay Ventures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley in partnership with Loomi Tech and sponsored by Hippo Insurance, Turing, Upwest Labs, and Hillel at Stanford. This one is all about sharing. Meet Rajdeep Gahir, founder of Co-Creations. Rajdeep is the founder of Co-Creations, a venture builder that consults with corporates and funds to build and grow internal ventures. Clients have included PE funds, eBay, and Bank of America and Merrill Lynch. Co-Creations also incubates disruptive live, work, and e-commerce concepts. These include Viva House, an innovative co-living venture, and Winged Cosmetics, a beauty brand. Previous to this, Rajdeep joined WeWork as an early employee and led the European rollout from 2014 launching the market in London and the Netherlands. She started her career on a trading floor in London following a degree from the London School of Economics. Rajdeep Gahir, welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Great to be here. Something to do in lockdown. (laughs) Something awesome to do in lockdown. We're going to have so much fun in these 20 minutes. Your journey all the way from uh, being in the financial industry uh, after London School of Economics, all the way to, you know, going into uh, Barclays and being an entrepreneur at eBay, and then going to WeWork as an early employee and leading expansion within Europe, which I can't wait to hear all about. Uh, Then Bank of America, Room, uh, founder of Viva House and uh, Co-Creations, this idea of co living and co-working as a concept and as an evolving industry that obviously is uh, impacting all of us and is impacting the future. Uh, so that was as much talking as I'm going to do this whole uh, conversation. Uh, Rajdeep, tell me a little bit about yourself. But before talking professionally, I have to ask about you know your ability to deadlift 100 kilograms because I'm going to I'll never get to that level. Tell me about that. Yeah, to, to be honest, um, this was after I left uh, WeWork, uh, working a crazy startup life where you were pretty much, you know, eating out three times a day. I put on a lot of um, weight and so I'm quite extreme. And so when I left, uh, the first thing I'd done was just get a personal trainer. And we used to have like three sessions a week and he was completely militant. Like he scared <laughs> me. Like I, I before this was like, I don't need a trainer. I'm so self-motivated. But this guy was on another level. And um, yeah, he really pushed me to the limit because I'd been saying to him for ages, like, oh, I don't think I need to train with you. I'm fine. You know, I know what I'm doing. Um, And yeah, he just pushed me to another level. And he was super into um, weight training. And then for a brief couple of months, I had this crazy idea that there was a gap in the market for like female Indian bodybuilders. (laughs) So we went down this path of just seeing how strong I was. Um, And it turns out I'm pretty strong. But yeah, these things you need to maintain. So I don't think I can lift. um, I can probably lift about half that much now, you know, Um, which is still all right. But yeah, we we got to another level, which is great. Feeling strong is good. I, I can't even imagine. I think I can probably lift about, uh, you know, a third of what of what you can lift. So I think that's a, a hugely impressive. And I love this idea of, you know, being fully motivated and fully dedicated on an extreme level. I, I can't think of anything else that is more important 
to an entrepreneur, and obviously with the journey that you that you've had before you, it's, it's just unbelievable, and I can totally see that mindset. Tell me a little bit about your trajectory, uh, because you're starting off in the financial industry, and then you're moving towards you know entrepreneurship and towards this yeah. co-working, co-living idea. So tell me about that. Yeah, so I think a lot of um, life and business and opportunity is about timing. And certainly through my career, it, it was always really motivated by intuition. And I think I have good intuition. Intuition, I think, ultimately comes from experience, like an observation of the world. It's not just some like internal thing. It's something that you get a sense of by observation and experience. So I've always trusted my intuition. I spent some time in finance. I'd done the classic, you know, study economics at LSE. Um, all my peers went into to finance, investment banking or trading. But I just really didn't enjoy it. Um, and I had thought this was the beacon um, of success. But when I got to it, I was like, geez, like three years doing the same thing. And then you get a promotion. And like, how can I run? Like, this is just way too slow. Uh, and I just wasn't really inspired by anyone around me. At the same time, timing um, was telling me the same thing. Because timing, when I graduated, it was after the last um, crash. Uh, yet at the same time, there was like every article was about London, which is where I was uh, living, creating this whole like silicon ecosystem, silicon roundabout to challenge the West Coast. Um, and I just thought, wow, this is like a new thing that's up and coming. Our government seems to be pumping like hundreds of millions, if not billions, into this new kind of emergence of the technology space. Maybe it's a good time to to explore it. Um, so yeah, that that was kind of how it started. Right. So you're you're getting into this industry. You're realizing, okay, what I'm hearing from you is that it was the more of the the walking versus the running, which really correlates back to this idea behind you know the crazy fitness uh, motivation. <laughs> and so you so you find entrepreneurship without within eBay. Tell me about this this notion of entrepreneurship within an organization, because then you went and you did something similar also with Bank of America, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was. Um... So I, I, the first job that I had was for, for a startup um, after finance. I mean, and it was a real startup job. So startup pay after being paid in finance was like chalk and cheese. Um, I definitely wasn't doing it for the money. And quite frankly, um, the job was great. I learned so much. We were building like a, a version of Airbnb. Airbnb wasn't even in Europe at the time. And it was a rocket internet venture that I was working with. So, you know, really aggressive, like uh, we had a lot of traction very quickly. So I learned a lot, but um, I just wasn't being paid enough to even like cover like basic, um, you know, rent lifestyle, uh, which really frustrated me. So again, it was, it was, it was kind of st stemming from frustration. And then I just thought, oh, timing again, intuition again, there's a lot of talk in the market about corporate innovation. Like this seems to be the next big thing. And hey, I've worked for like one corporate and I've worked for one startup. Surely I know enough about both to kind of position myself to know about this thing that is corporate innovation. Um, and so I'd had this job in a startup and I'd also had this like crazy transitional job uh, after coming back from travel. So I left finance. I went traveling for six months. Um pretty much spent a lot of the money I've made in finance, <laughs> came back and I was like, I have literally Raj you have three months to get a job like you have to get a job in three months otherwise you have to move back home with your parents but I did not want to do um so three months and it was literally like if you don't get something good you just have to take something 
So I didn't get anything good within that three months. It was a bad time in the market. It was not the best time for grads to get jobs, especially grads who had like said screw it to their last kind of um, role. And so the job that I got um, at that time before I joined the startup was actually a job really mostly based on commission. And it was like the movie Boiler Room, if you've seen it, where I was tasked to make like 80 to 100 cold calls a day to try to sell a conference um, for £35,000, which is about $50,000 on the phone through a cold call. And, you know, when I started this role, I was like, this is not for me. I'm such an introverted person. Like, like, you know, this is really difficult. But I actually ended up making a few sales and it taught me the art of selling. Um, and before that, I don't think I was a great salesperson. I was quite quiet. I was the analytical one. I would like get stuff done. But picking up the phone was like a scary thing. But that was the best training ever. So that followed by the startup just gave me this level of confidence, I guess, to just literally pick up the phone. So when I had this idea of maybe I can position myself in corporate innovation, literally all I done was pick up the phone. So I like started looking for people, companies that I could get in touch with, as well as like a bunch of different recruiters, a bunch of people in the startup space and just thought, okay, let me see if I can find an opportunity. Um, and so through that, I got a contact at eBay and I learned that they were trying to set up a new team, like a new ventures team, which was all about creating startups. And so because I was introduced to them and they were a new team, they didn't really have systems in place. They wanted to bring me on board, like on contract for this new team, which meant that I had to set up a company for them to hire me. Like they couldn't hire me as an employee basically because it was such a new thing and it was a new team and they were kind of setting up themselves. So I was like, great. Um, so now I need to set up a company so I can work with you guys. And so that's really how it all started. And I think I was about 23 at the time or so. So I was like, okay, cool. Wow. Now, now I need to let up how to set up a company. Um, so I may as well brand it because they're a client of mine, right? And and so that and it kind of went from there because I was like, okay, if I can say I've got eBay as a client, I know how to pick up the phone, sure I can get more clients. Um, so it, it, yeah. And so I went down that path for, worked with them for a few years. And at the same time started really, um, getting into the London startup ecosystem, working with a lot of start startups, networking people in the space. So I made, like, got some kind of mentors who are in venture capital started telling me about other good startups. I had a really awesome lady who was a mentor and, and she was like, she's like a top, um, now female venture capitalist in, in Europe. And she was also like mentoring or teaching um, a course at UCL on entrepreneurship. So she got me in to kind of mentor there. And she was then the one who told me like, hey, Raj, like you've been doing this consulting for a few years. And at that time, I was also like, I was kind of like a bit out of, not out of my depth, but like, how do you scale a consulting business, right? Like I had a few people doing bits of work for me you get more clients, you get more people to kind of outsource the work to. Um, but it, I, I'd kind of realized it wasn't scalable. And all these startups and venture capitalists I was speaking to were all about like scalability, you know, like automation and scalability. So I was like, well, consulting isn't really a scalable business. Um, and I wanted to just learn more uh, because the rate at which we were growing ventures at eBay was so slow <laughs> compared to like what I was seeing external startups do. That's so, right. yeah. The, the advice was, why don't you go and join a cool startup? And through my network, I got recommended to kind of look at this company who was nothing at the time. They didn't even have, you know, a round of funding on Crunchbase called WeWork. It's and a so tiny, I, nothing yeah, 
<laughs> Nothing meaningful. I mean, the COO at the time interviewed me. His name was Chris. And I remember asking, oh, do you, do you guys have any funding? Because, you know, you're trying to hire me for expansion. Like, do, do you guys have money to expand into Europe? And he was like, I assure you we do, but I can't disclose it. Um, and yeah, after that, they came out with all the press of, of all the funding after I joined. So I joined again, it was based on intuition recommendation, Incredible. meeting, yeah, a guy for lunch who became my boss, who I thought was just awesome. Um, and a desire to learn. I think that's, that's incredible. I think that uh, what I'm still uh, stuck on and inspired by is this idea that this notion that at 23 years old, you already had the opportunity to go into finance. You had the opportunity to realize that it's not going to fulfill your passion and your goal uh, to transition into, you know, uh, consulting and sales and this, uh, this importance of branding and finding a gap in the market saying, okay, well, there's corporates, there's startups, and then there's these people that, that, understand you know the balance of them and how i can go and integrate that into a big corporation and uh, to creating a branding for this consulting business to understand the limitations of scalability of a business to going into a company uh, this is things that you know these are things that people don't realize you know in decades of working so i think it's I so, never thought about it like that, like how you just put it. But well, yeah, so you're going to have to so. listen to this episode later and you're going to see how, how crazy it sounds and how awesome it is and how inspiring it is. And so now this entrance into WeWork, this tiny startup that nobody yet hears about, you're helping them run their sales and expansion within Europe, utilizing, I guess, a lot of the skills you, you had when you did cold calls for these conferences. And tell me about your understanding from that point into the co-living and co-working space. Yeah. So, you know, we work was, uh, it was a new thing, um, co-working at the time. It was really waving the first flag and there were a lot of companies that came out after, but this notion of disrupting the most traditional industry, which is real estate and it moving from being about this like dry, boring asset where no one really cares about what goes inside, happens inside. It's all about, you know, the value of just the asset to actually it's all about what goes on inside and how do we make places where people spend most of their day working, really inspiring and engaging. And what I realized is just how much of an impact these environments have on people's dating lives. So if you're talking about impact, like how to make impact, well, there's not anything more impactful you can do than create an environment where someone spends, you know, eight, nine hours of their day. And that's the same with like co-living, co-working. You, you are improving or enhancing the experience of something that arguably has the largest impact on someone's life um, because they're spending so much time there and it, it affects their experience of, you know, their day to day. And that's what I found um, really enchanting, let's say. And also the physicality of it, by which I mean, when you are in an operating real estate business, there's very little time you spend sitting on a chair or in front of a desk. You are always running around. And I like that. Like I liked kind of being on the run, right. <laughs> so, so to say. I love that. So you're in WeWork, you're there for a few years, and you have enough insight into this industry where you're starting your own companies around it, both co-living uh, with Viva House and with co-creation. Tell me a little bit about this decision to spin off into something of your own and, and how you're viewing now yourself as a part of this ecosystem. Yeah, so I got to the point, um, I think with any, when you go into a startup, I mean, when I joined, we were about 100 people and we scaled to like 2000 in two years. So it was that crazy hockey stick growth period where wow. it's very ag like aggressive, you know, like midday targets, daily targets, weekly targets. It was just, it was really intense. No regrets, but it was on another level. I didn't see my family. I didn't see anyone. I just 
worked. Um, learned a lot from it, but I, I was really burnt out after two years. And also, I just noticed this opportunity in the market where then everyone else was starting to think, hey, let's do our own operational real estate businesses or private equity funds, you know, financial markets. Everyone was waking up to this, this kind of new right. space. Uh, and I thought, well, the easiest thing I can do is instead of a lot of people coming and saying, hey, Raj, come and set up a business for us. I thought, why not just pivot my consulting business into focusing on operational real estate, which is basically what I done and then got a few clients off the back of that. So and it became a great income stream. And I, I didn't initially when I started Viva House to take external funding. So I thought if I can have the income stream from the consulting coming in. I can kind of incubate, self-incubate um, Viva House, which was, it really started as a passion project and desire to solve what I saw to be the fundamental root issue, which was affordability of housing. Um, and I couldn't see any co-living companies really tackling that. Right. And so wh where are we headed we, you know, with all of this? This idea of co-living, co-working, obviously, I think that we're at a point in time where you know, co-working is pretty much a part of every uh, tech ecosystem in the world. I'm sitting in a co-working space right now, uh, and pretty much every street, at least in Tel Aviv and Palatine, New York, you have co-working, and I know, I know that in London as well. Where are we headed in terms of also co-living? This idea that we will have these shared experiences that are much more meaningful compoundly than the intimate experiences we could have only pretty much with ourselves and the people that we see every single day. So what, what, where are we headed with this? Well, I think, you know, the pandemic has, it's been really interesting for the whole space, you know, because again, you could say arguably about five years ago, fundamentally people's way of working and living changed because the way people are spending them time changed, the emergence of co-working, co-living, I kind of call it now like 1.0. And now we're almost on like version 2.0 because after the pandemic, everything is changing again. And I think we're going to see a more tighter linkage between, um, working and living because I mean take case in point the UK where I'm now the majority of people have been working from home for the last 11 months mm -hmm. and after 11 months that becomes a pretty entrenched yes. pattern it's hard to zap people out of it so then it's right. like how do we build mechanisms around this what are people doing well a lot of people have given up their city pad on a 12 month 24 month contract in the city and now, so when they want to go into the city, are maybe looking for something for a couple of months. So I think there's going to be, um, you know, a boom in in the serviced apartment slash co living um, market for more flexible living. And tied to that, there's going to be the sense of like where you live, you should have an effective means to work. Right. So I think that's going to be a huge trend. And also, I think there's going to be a great trend for. Um, you know, pent up demand for travel and co-living, co-working experiences abroad, because a lot of companies are now introducing flexible working policies to get some people back into the office. But when they, the kind of carrot and stick approach, come back to the office the majority of the time, but hey, we'll let you work from a different country if you like for three to four months of the year. So it creates another paradigm of like opportunity. Right. And I think that what this whole thing is touching on is pretty much just this idea of connectivity. 
And, you know, the, this notion, this age-old notion that home is where the heart is. Uh, well, that really is the case, you know, starting, I think, as we come out of this pandemic, hopefully soon, is this idea that, you know, really, right now, we've been forced to make every home an office and every office a home. And, uh, and obviously, these co-living and co-working environments are just going to help support that. Uh, because we're not, I don't see us ever going back. I see us moving forward. And, and the real solution here is these spaces, which, which make us feel at home wherever we are. And uh, Rajdeep, I, I really want to thank you for taking the time to be here. I think your journey is uh, amazing. I think it's in- completely inspiring. And I'm especially inspired by the lessons that you've uh, taught yourself over, over the time and how you acted upon the, that intuition and that understanding, uh, whether it's, you know, consciously or not. This Now looking back, you can... I, at least from this conversation, I can form a pretty linear path. I'm saying, yes, now it makes perfect sense why she did A leading to B leading to C. Obviously, at the given time, it might not make that much sense. But, uh, but I'm very inspired by your intuition and your courage uh, to go and just uh, act upon it. So thank you for, uh, for t- sharing with me your story. Uh, before we leave, I have to ask you for the most important question, which is three words that you would use to describe yourself. Um, ambitious uh tenacious and hopefully kind <laughs> I, I love that i love that Ajdeep, thank you so so much stay safe and stay healthy and i can't wait to one day live in one of your co-living spaces and work in one of the co-working spaces thank you very much thanks so much michael take care thank you Bye.